Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. I always get a kick out of how much I have to zoom in to start this show if you're watching on Super Talk TV. And how massive my dome is there. So yeah, I feel bad for the people who are watching it. Like, look at this. Look at that boy's head. It's huge. It's like a fuzzy like Max headroom. <laughs> right. Anyway, this is Thunder and Lightning. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for joining me here on a Wednesday night at Super Talk. Listening live on your Super Talk app at Super Talk TV or one of the million other places you can find Super Talk. We are everywhere, and we like it that way. Rhino down there in Studio X. He may have some more jokes to crack. I hope so. He's a funny guy. We got a big show tonight. One of the rare. We haven't done a three sport show in quite a while. We're going to do one tonight, though. We've got some baseball to talk about, and we have news. We have things. It's like I'm not just making up topics here. And news, baseball, football. But we will start with men's basketball, which I would not have expected to start with on May the third. But we will because Chris Jans, you can continue to make your dental appointments. Here in Starkville through the 26-27 basketball season, Chris Jans received an extension and a raise today, up to $3.2 million, which if, if I did the math right, is going to have him right, right kind of smack dab in the middle of the SEC in terms of coaching salaries at $3.2. I think, I think he and Chris Beard and Ole Miss are, are, are sitting at $3.2 each. I knew that when... Uh, when Ole Miss announced the hiring of Beard and they, they announced his salary at 3.2, I said, well, State can't just sit there and let Jans languish at 2.4. He'll he'll definitely get a raise. I didn't know that it would be equal to, but uh, it is. And so, and you know, well-deserved, Chris Jans took a team that I don't think anybody in their right mind had as an NCAA tournament team and made them exactly that um, and has, has, has reestablished a culture of basketball. And I think that's something that you know, goes overlooked, you know, in the results Obviously, the wins and losses are the most important, but Mississippi State basketball was at its, its lowest point. Nobody wanted to go to the games. Nobody cared about Mississippi State men's basketball, and Chris Jans came in and in one year was able to build a team that Mississippi State fans were able to identify with, able to to get behind, throw their support behind, and you saw great crowds at the hump for the most part all season long. So good for Chris Jans and good for Mississippi State. Mississippi State now one of those rare schools, and especially in the SEC, there's only one other, to my knowledge, that pays its basketball coach more than its football coach. Obviously, extenuating circumstances. You know, uh, Zach Arnett, a first-time head coach. My guess is, and it's just a guess, that if Mississippi State has the kind of season I think they can have this year in football, that next year you will see Zach Arnett ahead of of Chris Jans. But for now, it's Chris Jans and John Calipari. I'm not entirely sure what Heupel makes. Rick Barnes is over five a year. I'm not sure exactly what Heupel makes. Don't really feel like Googling it either. Um, but I guess it's possible that Stackhouse could make more than Clark Lee. But, you know, that's information you don't get because Vandy is a uh, 
a private university. So good for Chris Chan. It's good for Mississippi State basketball. Mississippi State basketball, to me, is a sport. And, and just, just for the record, by the way, I'm sure another raise and extension are coming Sam Purcell's way uh, very, very soon because I think it's another guy who exceeded expectations in year one and really showed you that he's uh, he's. I don't know that he can get the, the program back to where Vic Schaefer had it. I don't know that that's possible. Well, possible is not the right word. I don't know if that's going to be the case. But he certainly showed you a lot of positive things in year one. So he'll, you know, he'll have a raise and an extension probably coming his way uh, in the near future, too. But Mississippi State men's basketball, first and foremost, you know, and I mentioned Chris Beard a second ago, it, it's only been a couple of seasons ever where State and Ole Miss were both good in basketball. It really has felt like, you know, you can only support one team in this state. Like, one was going to be good and the other was going to be down. And one of the reasons the other was good is because the other one was down. So we'll see. The transfer portal kind of changes that, though, because, you know, you don't have to just rely on, on the best players in the state to fill your rosters. You think about, you know, when State was good, they had a lot of great Mississippi players. And when Ole Miss was good, they had they had great Mississippi players. So maybe now with the transfer portal, that can be a little different. But I think state basketball, you know, I, I fully expect them back in the tournament next year. And depending on, you know, if Tolu Smith decides to return, which I think at this time the lean is to do that. I think at this time, you know, if the decision had to be made today, Tolu Smith uh, would uh, be back at Mississippi State for his, uh, I think, I guess it's his, his third season in Maroon and White, maybe his fourth. I can't keep track anymore with all the COVID years and the medical reg. I can't keep track. I won't. I won't do it. If you're there, you're there. If you're not, you're not. How much eligibility do you have? Well, if I see you next year, I'll know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to dive too deep. I'm not going to do too much research into who has what left. I. I. I, I inv- invariably, I end up wrong. So I just just leave it alone. Um. But if Tolu Smith is back. You go out and get a couple more pieces in the transfer portal. That's all you need, by the way, is pieces. You don't have to go out and get a dominant 17, 18 point a game guy. You don't have to get a guy that you're going to pin the hopes of your team on and say, well, we need him to be good. Otherwise, this team's not going to be good. Because what you, you know, because you're bringing back basically the whole team that went to the NCAA tournament. You went and added a couple of big scorers in recruiting, guys you think can come in immediately. You added the best player in this state and Josh Hubbard. Feels like that should be a tournament theme next year. And then, you know, after that, it becomes a question of how does Jans recruit? How does he work in the portal? Because after next season, yeah, that's going to be a little bit less, you know, of, of what's left from Ben Howland and it'll all be on what, what Chris Jans has brought into that point. But Jans has been a winner everywhere he's gone. You know, you look at his track record as a coach, it is one of success in the junior college ranks. In the coach in the in the college ranks, the guy has been put winners on the court at every stop he's made, um, and so I don't see why it would be any different here at Mississippi State. And I think the you know, the amount of overachievement that happened last year. I mean, imagine you know, imagine before the season that I tell you that Mississippi State is going to be the worst, the worst three point shooting team in all of college basketball. Three hundred plus teams, Mississippi State is at the very bottom of that list. What's their record? Do any of you tell me they won 20-plus games and go to the NCAA tournament? No, none of you tell me that. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, neither do I. I'm, I'm not going to be the one saying, oh, yeah, well, they, they can overcome that. 
But Chris Jans was able to find a way to win. And to me, that's that's the most important thing a coach does, is find ways to win. I said it all season long, when you watched his teams, state almost all of their shots. Go back and watch a game. Pick any game you want. Pick one that they lost. Their shots were in the paint, within five feet of the rim, or an open three. The problem was they couldn't make enough of them. But Jans was drawing up plays and scheming offense to get State good looks. That's why I was so high on him the whole season long. That's why I felt invariably they would turn it around because some of those shots would start to fall. The threes never did, but more of the twos did. And State kind of got a little bit better about shooting twos than threes as the, as the season went along. So big news for, for Chris Jans, $3.2 million a year. That's a big money. You know, how, how, how high could State go on a basketball coach? How high, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the number that, you know, Chris Jans would have to plateau at? Would State pay its basketball coach five million a year? What happens if you go to the Sweet 16 next year? You got to come back and redo this, right? Probably bump them up to three eight, three nine. Do you go to four? Would you pay a basketball coach four million dollars a year at Mississippi State? Think about when Dan Mullen left Mississippi State. He was making four point two five million a year. You know, Leach last year was at five point five. That's the highest state's ever paid a a, a coach. Three point two. I mean, you know, if, if you continue to have success, it's just going to continue to go up. How much commitment is Mississippi State really willing to make to the basketball program? You know. Your fans would revolt if they if Jan's leftover money. So obviously you're going to do everything you can in your power to keep him. But it's going to be interesting. And of course, you know what helps is you got an extra what thirty, forty mil coming in on top of what you already get, or however much it's going to be from the SEC when the new TV deals go into place when Oklahoma and Texas come on board. And Oklahoma and Texas certainly don't you know make it any easier life any easier in the SEC for basketball or for any sport for that matter. So that's a, that's a big step for Mississippi State. I mean, they, they gave him an $800,000 raise. He was making 2.4 last year. He was the lowest paid coach in the conference. Now he's moved up to 8th or ninth, depending on where you look. $800,000 raise. I mean, that's a, somebody do the math for me there. It's like 30, you know, 33% raise. He's worth it. He deserved it. But that's a big statement by Mississippi State to, uh, to, to, to make that move. Basketball coaches in this state are, you know, between, uh, Beard and, 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 and Jans, $6.4 million a year. What was it 10 years ago? $2 million? Between AK and Rick Ray? Maybe? $3 million? I don't know. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. We'll talk baseball. A Twitter firestorm set off by Roy Oswald. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Listen up! There is a storm coming! I, I, got, I got to zoom out, Rhino. This, it's just too much. 
just, it's just, my, my head is just massive. Hold on. There we go. That's, that's, that's a few more back. That, that's better. That's much better, right? I was, I was too close the first time. All right. That's better. If you're watching on Super Talk TV, you got, you got less Brian taking up your screen right now. That's a good thing. You no longer feel Thunder the need to offer a breath mint. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. If you ever miss this pod, this uh, show, if you ever miss a Thunder and Lightning podcast, you shouldn't, first and foremost. But if you do, you can always go back and find it at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. That's all. We've got everything uh, right there. We've had great interviews all week. We'll wrap up our spring wraparound. It's a wraparound. Uh, on Friday's podcast with Texas A&M and Vanderbilt, we'll have all 14, well, I guess we'll have 13 of the teams. We didn't really do one for Mississippi State because, you know, we're kind of on that all at all times. So we have that, and uh, I got a great interview on tomorrow's pod with Brandon Marcello. Let's just talking college football and talking some Mississippi State football as well. Let's go to baseball, though, uh, because that was really the big news before Jans' extension today was Mississippi State on uh, Monday uh, decided to part ways with pitching coach Scott Foxhaw. Now, if you've been following along this season, this was an inevitability. It was always going to happen. I simply thought it would happen at season's end. But I guess they thought the situation was bad enough and that they wanted to get out in front of things enough to uh, to go ahead and make the move. And so Scott Foxhall, two years removed from being the national assistant coach of the year and leading and putting together a staff that led Mississippi State to a national championship, is out. <sighs> Again, a decision that had to be made. You know, State's pitching this year, again, in conference play, State's ERA is 9.82. Now, if you're not a baseball stat person and you're wondering what exactly does that mean, it means on average, State gives up 10 earned runs. Earned, not done earned. So there's probably another, you know, they're probably averaging another, you know, I don't know if there's a run average out there. I guess I could look it up. But State gives up on average... Ten earned runs every uh, timeout in conference play. They've been run-ruled five times this year. It's just been an embarrassment. There's no there's no other word to use. It, it, whatever standard you have for Mississippi State baseball, this falls way, way below it. And so a decision had to be made, and it's been made. Will State uh, look to replace him in season? I, I say no. I, that's, that's what I've heard is no. But and got, got to set off a firestorm here. Roy Oswalt, who everybody knows and loves, former uh, what Houston Astro, and uh, I don't even know all the teams that he played for, but a all-time great pitcher and native of Mississippi, big supporter of the Bulldogs. People who know him know he's a he is a bulldog through and through. Tweeted out a picture earlier today. I love when they just. I love when there's no context, man. Just, just let let us flounder out there and see what we can come up with. Just a picture of the uh, Mississippi State mascot bully, the new one, Dak, sitting in front of. Uh, I'm, that's Lee Hall. It's not. Uh, it's not Swarm on the other side of the drill field there. That's all it is. Just, just a picture of bully. And so now everyone's wondering, does that mean Roy Oswald is about to become Mississippi State's new interim 
pitching coach, or possibly even on a, par- a permanent basis. That would be interesting to me. Obviously, Oswalt is a guy who knows what it takes to be a successful pitcher, but he's never coached. So does he know how to teach other players to be successful pitchers? I don't know the answer to that. I do know this, and this is not a knock on y'all out there, but kind of is. I'm sorry. Mississippi State fans have this like unhealthy obsession with they want to hire people who played a sport at Mississippi State. Now, Roy Oswald did not play a sport at Mississippi State. Straight from JUCO to the bigs. But, obviously people know that he's a Bulldog. But every time there's a a, a, an opening, you you can almost be, in, any, in any sport, you can almost be guaranteed a former player will be thrown into the mix as, why don't we hire him? Despite the fact that the guy's selling insurance now. Maybe hire some actual coaches. I think that's what State's going to end up doing. So if, if, if this Oswalt thing, let, let's play the, the hypotheticals. If this is, you know, him saying, trying to tell us, hey, I'm going to be the next pitching coach. I think it's simply on an interim basis. I do believe that Mississippi State will, at the end of the season, hire a a a pitching coach who has been a pitching coach. Who are some of those names? I'm going to tell you. I'm not real up to date on pitching coaches around this state, around this country. You know, the only ones I knew were Scott Foxhall, and Christian Ostrander down at uh, and Ostrander, I'm sorry, down at uh, Southern Miss, who I believe State will at least try to contact. I don't know that he'll take the job. Um, he's he, like everything I've seen about Christian Ostrander says that he is a very happy camper down at USM. That he believes he's he's in line to be the next head coach when and if uh, Scott Barry ever retires, he might want to stick it out there. He's obviously got a very good thing going. That program is in great shape right now. It's the best program in the state. But the I mean, state would be remiss not to reach out to him at the same time. Other names? I mean, I'm going to look at teams, right? I'm going to look at Wake Forest, Tennessee, um, uh, Arkansas. Who are their pitching coaches? Call them. Call them. That's how I would look at it. What does it mean for Lamonis? And we had Kendall Rogers on with us on Sports Talk Mississippi yesterday, and he, he made the comment, he thought that, you know, why would you let Foxhall go now if in three weeks you're planning to let go of Lamotis? And I agree. I agree with that statement. But the key word there is planning. I think at this time, Mississippi State is not planning to let go of Chris Lamotis. But State's next nine games are against Arkansas, LSU, and Texas A&M. All three teams who would be NCAA tournament teams as it is today, and Arkansas and uh, LSU would be national seeds. LSU would be the number one overall seed. What if you what if you go 0-9 or 1-8? What if you're uncompetitive throughout? What if you get run-ruled three more times? What if you continue to play terribly in the field as State has done all year? What do you do then? Do you just write it all off and say, well, he's going to get one more year? You can do that. I don't think a whole lot of people outside of the Mississippi State bubble would would hold you your feet to the fire over that decision. The man did win a national title two years ago. I think inside the bubble, though, there would be a lot of 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 of, of upset people. And for me, 
you know, who has, has said for years that this is an elite program, a top-tier program. They were the best program to not have won a national title. Then they won a national title, and I was willing to say they were the, 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 the one of the top two programs in the country. And I'm not just spitting bars here. D1 Baseball last year said Mississippi State number two program in the country. Behind Vanderbilt only. And Vanderbilt, of course, has the built-in advantages the state doesn't. You know, from a fan support perspective, facilities perspective, tradition, recruiting base, everything you want. You got it at Mississippi State. If you're going to be this elite program, you're really going to settle for two last place finishes? Because that's where State's trending. Looking at their schedule versus Ole Miss's, State's trending to finish last again. Missouri Ole Miss this weekend, the loser of that series is going to join State by not going to Hoover. The winner of that series should be okay. Rebs need to win that series if they want to. They want to get to Hoover. Missouri needs to win that series. But for State, what are they? What are they going to do? They got Arkansas and then LSU. I mean, the chances of them going better than one and five in those games is really not great. You watch the way State's pitched this year, and then you look at LSU's offense. Those three games in Baton Rouge could all be run rule games. LSU may set some records. So what do you do in that case? Do you just come back and go, nah, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it, we, we can't put it all on the pitching. You let Fox all go, and things didn't improve. So we have to move on? I think what Lamonis needs to have happen in these next nine games is, win or loss, the pitching has to look better. you got to be more competitive. You can't walk as many guys as you've walked. you got to tighten up your rotations. I know injuries is a problem for that, but there are guys, there are guys good and out there on the mound that can't pitch in the SEC. they got to stop pitching in the SEC. You can't put them out there. You just got to suffer with the guys you got. We'll see how that plays out. Three more weeks of baseball, and then we'll see what happens with this program after that. Do you give Lamonis a third season? A, thir- a third season, you know, to, to recoup a th- second mulligan? Or do you make the change? It's, uh, it's going to be on Zach Selman's plate. All right. Two sports down, one to go. We'll talk football. We'll talk about the NFL draft. Recap where everybody went and where I think they, how they think I think they're going to do. We'll do that when we get back. This is Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Here on Super Talk Mississippi, I'm Brian Haydad. Rhino down there in Studio X keeps the rocking tunes going. NFL Draft was a week ago uh, yesterday, or tomorrow, tomorrow, week ago tomorrow. Seven, it's been eight days. Uh, and the Mississippi State, a couple of players taken. Let's talk about those guys. As you know, if you are a longtime Thunder and Lightning podcast listener, or a Sports Talk Mississippi listener, or wherever, I'm, I'm, I, wherever I have a platform, 
Uh, you know that I am what in the wrestling business is called a mark for Emmanuel Forbes. That means that the guy, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Emmanuel Forbes. Um, have been since the day he started playing at Mississippi State. I, I saw that guy and I was like, that is a few, that's the next guy for Mississippi State. That's the next first rounder. A guy who can cover like him, who makes big plays. Uh, there's, there's no reason not to think he wouldn't be an NFL player. And so he hears his name called in the first round, 16th pick overall by the Washington Commanders. And if you go back and if you look on Twitter at some of the, uh, the social media stuff that Washington put out, uh, specifically a video done uh, the morning of the draft where they are in the car with their head coach, Ron Rivera, He's talking about Emmanuel Forbes. He's like, look, if our guy's there at 16, we're getting him. We're getting him. And they did. So obviously they were locked in on Forbes. And and I understand why. Because in today's NFL, which is a passing-dominated league, you got to have guys who can shut receivers down. And, And Forbes does that. And then on top of that, he's a guy that can get the ball for you. And on top of that, he's a guy who can take the ball to the end zone for you. You know, and and so that's just a valuable skill set. Um, you know, when when if you read if you read scouting reports, if you read what uh, coaches were saying about Forbes, literally the only thing they could find to complain about was he's skinny. First off, we should all be so lucky. But secondly, that feels like a very easy problem to fix, as we talked about last week. You know, get him in, get him with nutritionists, get him with your weight room. He'll put on fifteen pounds with no issues. And then you've got a corner who has shown you he can... I mean, the SEC is the closest thing we've got to the NFL in college football. And Forbes went out there week in and week out and played against top receivers and shut them down. So I think he's going to be a good pro. You know, obviously in Washington, you've got, you know, you've got a couple of good quarterbacks in that division. Obviously with, with Jalen Hurts and with Dak. Daniel Jones. Eh. That's a good offense, but he's not... The, the scariest signal caller. But you gotta have guys, you know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta shut down CD Lamb. You gotta shut down AJ Brown. Forbes is gonna be the guy who gets those opportunities now. Can he do it? I mean, he did it for all these years in college. We might get some, some fun matchups there. AJ Brown versus, uh, Emmanuel Forbes. We'll have a little, little, little egg bowl when those, when the uh, commanders and the, uh, the Eagles, uh, go head to head. Couple other Bulldogs on that team too. Another cornerback, Cam Dantzler, signed a uh, deal with them uh, after the he was uh, released by the Vikings. And of course, Montez Sweat is still there. Montez Sweat should be coming up on a new contract soon. I don't think he's going to get the Simmons, Cox, Jones money, but he should get a, a nice size contract. He's been a good player uh, for Washington these past couple of years. So that's five first round picks in uh, five years for Mississippi State. It's a little skewed because you had three in 2018, none in 19 and 20. One last year with Charles Cross going to the Seahawks, and now this year one with Forbes. But it, you know, makes a great graphic. Cam Young goes in the fourth round to the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Love that pick. Cam Young is a, a the kind of guy that you'll never notice. He'll never be a, a statistical marvel or anything like that. But we'll look up. It's 2023. If we're still here in 2033, he'll still be playing in the NFL. He'll still be plugging the holes. Still be eating up space and eating up two, three blockers. 
Just a good, solid nose tackle. That 3-4 defense, perfect fit. Absolutely perfect. Again, a couple of Bulldogs there with him, or at least one, I'm sorry. Uh, but Charles Cross, his former teammates there, my guess is they've gone head-to-head a few times. Love that pick for Seattle, Cam Young. I think he'll be an outstanding uh, player for them. You know, Again, not, not a guy who's going to be a pro bowler, not a guy who's going to be another Aaron Donald or even a Chris Jones you know, like like another Bulldog, but I think he'll be a very solid player for the Seahawks over the next few years of his career. Like that pick. And and fits that Seahawk culture. You know, Seahawks, the Seahawks are a very much a, a blue-collar, red-meat, grind-it-out kind of team. Fits perfectly in with Cam Young, a guy who was a signing day offer for Mississippi State. Was headed to junior college, ends up going to Mississippi State. And, uh, has a great career for the Bulldogs, and now off to the NFL. So good move for him, like that. Of the undrafted free agents, I was really surprised Tyrus Wheat wasn't drafted. That's a guy who I thought had put enough on film and shown you enough that he would have not only been a draft pick, I thought he would have been drafted ahead of Cam Young. thought he would have been a fourth, fifth rounder, but he wasn't. Um, but he goes to the Cowboys, and you can tell from the contract they gave him with a $20,000 bonus and $185,000 k guaranteed that they feel pretty confident he's going to make the roster. And I think he should. A versatile, explosive defender, can play outside linebacker, can put his hand in the ground if you need him to, isn't going to be a, a huge liability in coverage. I thought Wheat was 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 State's you know, jack-of-all-trades last year. You know, you go back and watch some of his games, and I mean, he had some really, really good moments. He was huge in the Egg Bowl for Mississippi State. Uh, he was big against uh, Arkansas. And Texas A&M, he continually pressured the quarterbacks in those games. So I think he'll be a good pro at the next level uh, as well for the Bulldogs. So those three guys, and then you saw you had Colin Duncan signing a deal with the Rams. That one surprised me a little bit, I won't be honest. Uh, but, you know, Duncan had had his issues in coverage, and like I was just talking about with Forbes, with the way the NFL is set up now, safeties who can't get out there and cover can be a problem. So we'll see where that goes. And then Randy Charlton heads home. He's a South Florida boy. He's headed to the Miami Dolphins. So we'll wish them luck uh, at the next level and see how that goes for them. What about next year? As it stands right now, if there's a first-rounder on this this roster, he hasn't made himself known yet. It'll be sort of like a – if you go back to 2018, I think everybody knew that Sweat and Simmons were going to be first-rounders. But Abram was the guy who sort of came out and had such a huge season that he played his way into being that. So State would have to have that this year. Is there a player like that? Eh. You know, the, the guy that strikes me, you know, as, as the most potential with that, because again, I think, you know, like somebody like Jaden Crumity or Buki Watson, I think those are NFL guys, but I think they kind of are what they are at this point. I don't see Crumity having such a huge season that he shoots up draft boards into the first round. Watson, the same way. So I got to pick a guy who's, I'm, I'm not currently thinking is an NFL guy or is a first round guy, at least. The Cameron Richardson? Could be that guy? Maybe. Tulu Griffin's an interesting idea because he's going to be featured a lot more this year, and teams are going to see how versatile he is and what an explosive player he is. And plus, you know what you're getting with him in the kick return game. Devin Hester wasn't a first-rounder, so I don't know if, if Tulu could be that. On the offensive line, you know, Cam Jones is well a three and a half year, four year starter for Mississippi State, but I, I don't know that he you know he's going to be dominant enough 
to, to be that guy. So and then there's nobody on the offensive line. I don't know that Saints got a first rounder next year. You know, obviously we could, we could talk about Will Rogers, probably not a first rounder. I think he has a great chance to be drafted if he has a great year. You know, uh, I mentioned earlier when I talked with Brandon Marcillo and we talked a little bit about Will Rogers and what the legacy of Will Rogers is if he has a good year this year because he shakes off the idea that he's a system quarterback. If he goes out and throws for 30, 30, 3,400 yards this year, which I don't know that he will. That's a big number considering. But let's say he just throws for 3,000 yards. He'll be the all-time leading passer in SEC history if that happens. But if he goes for 3,000 yards and 23 touchdowns to five interceptions and State wins eight, nine games, then then Rodgers can, can look back. You can look back at Rodgers' career and say, okay, this guy was one of the better quarterbacks in SEC history. You can make a legitimate claim that he and Dak are the top two at Mississippi State and however you want to rank them if he has that kind of year, if he is able to shake off that system quarterback label. And I would tell you that the system quarterback label is kind of overrated. He used to get me upset with, oh, he throws so much. Yeah, but he, you know, it's not that he throws so much, it's that he completes so much. There's no law that says the receivers have to catch it. He's not allowed to just go out there and hand it to them. He doesn't have to throw the ball, and they have to catch it. So, I mean, there's there was some talent involved in all those completions. You and I couldn't just go out there and do that. And the good news for Rodgers is, I mean, what's going to fluster him, right? What has he not seen at this point? Does he have an NFL future? I don't know. Got to show that deep ball a little bit. Got to show the arm off a little bit. Maybe show a little bit more mobility. But he's going to have those opportunities this year, for sure. For sure. One thing's for sure for Mississippi State. The, the train will keep running to the NFL. There's plenty of NFL guys. Maybe not first-rounders this year, but there's plenty of NFL guys on this roster, and there will continue to be in, in the near future. They've got a lot of, of good young talent to talk about. We'll wrap it up when we come back. This is Mississippi State. I'm sorry, this is, well, we could be. I'm, in, I'm near Mississippi State. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. things up here on a Wednesday evening. Thunder and Lightning Live. Again, if you ever miss this show, if you miss any of the podcasts, any of their content that I do, it's all right there on the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed. It's all there at supertalk.fm. Supertalk.fm, your one-stop shop for all the breaking news in our state, opinions, not only Mississippi State sports, but Ole Miss, USM, high school sports, Saints, Pelicans. We got it all. And it don't cost nothing. Every other website's putting you behind a paywall. Super Talk Mississippi is just like, here, enjoy our content. We're here for you, the great people of our state. I want to give a serious shout-out here. Because, you know, the last segment, you're like, what are we going to talk about? It's only like, you only got a few minutes here. 
But my friend Jack Byers from BulldogBlitz.com, the MSU rival site, shout out to Jack, gave me a tweet here, and ah, nothing better on May 3rd than to talk about this. Games of the year are up at FanDuel Sportsbook. Mississippi State is a one-and-a-half-point favorite in the Egg Bowl. Drink it in. We got an Egg Bowl line here on May 3rd. Ah! Mm, I can I can smell the turkey cooking right now. A little low. I would put State at like a three-point favorite as we sit right now. I know people are going to get mad because Ole Miss is preseason top 25 and State isn't. Don't care. What were they last year? I, I, don't, I don't believe in Ole Miss defensively. I believe they're still going to struggle, and that's going to be a problem. Whereas Mississippi State... I look at what they bring back. That game's in Starkville. I feel like they'll win. Could I be wrong? Yes. Is that a, am I guaranteeing anything? Absolutely not. I'd have stayed a little higher, though. But, ah, an egg bowl line in, in May is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, you know, we always do 100 days, teams in 100 days. We should, do, we should find something like 100 days from the egg bowl. Get some stuff going like that. Not enough egg bowl coverage. Richard likes to shy away from it. I don't know why. Because embrace it. He's going to have to embrace wearing maroon and white in about a, you know, two in about two months. Rhino, while while you're getting your beard shaved, and your your hair your haircut, you can also laugh at Richard in full maroon and white regalia at the Palmer Home Radiothon. Are you excited about that? I hope that you are. We should make him do a TikTok dance in the background while I'm getting my head shaved. <laughs> I'm sure his kids could could teach him one. Oh yeah, they're they're TikTok savvy, I believe. My kids certainly could. They try to teach me, and I'm just like, I no, I have no idea. I have one dance. I'll show it to you right now. If you're watching Super Talk TV, I do the Hey Dad Shimmy. I just come in, and I come out. Let's see, just do that. It worked a lot better when I was a little fatter, a little more jiggle to it, a little more wiggle. But that's I got the Hey Dad Shimmy. I'm just you get that 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 overbite. You know what I'm talking about? Mm, yeah. That's 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 how I dance whenever I'm I'm, I'm on the dance floor. And so if you, I'm available for weddings and parties, bar mitzvahs, whatever. I'll show up and, and shimmy, no no cost either. Just you know, let me let me drink at the bar. Random dork in a truck might disagree with you. <laughs> Tom Hart today with Slam. I lo- I love Tom Hart. Every time he's on, he just he brings humor to the show. Love it. Mississippi State, Arkansas, uh, this weekend, three game set. I mean, what do we think is going to happen? Come on, guys. I don't know. I'm more interested in the Starkville Derby. I'll be there Saturday. Um, I mean, if you haven't caught up on that, I, I did an interview with Alden Thornhill about it. It's on the podcast feed. Rebecca Turner had him on. Uh, he is the, uh, sort of the grand poobah of this race and of the Starkville Sausage Dog Society. Uh, 150 wiener dogs set to descend into the cotton district. For uh, for a tournament, it's, it's the Kumite of wiener dog races. No one will be harmed though, but I can't wait to see this. It's going to be an absolute spectacle uh, in uh, in Starkville on Saturday. So I'll be there before I head over to Dean Noble that uh, that evening. I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be just hilarious and exciting and a great event. And it's raising money for a great cause. If you haven't heard, it's uh, going to the, all the proceeds are going to the Octavia County. 
Humane Society. I believe they've raised in excess of $10,000 uh, for that organization. So that's great. I'm a big big supporter of the Humane Society. Uh, three of my four cats are from the Humane Society. Uh, we rescued them from there. And uh, the other one would have gone to the Humane Society had we not picked her up uh, early in the process. So great event. I'm looking forward to a great weekend here in Starville. Weather should be really nice. And, uh, yeah, should be good. I'm going to see Matilda tomorrow night. My daughter's uh, her high school musical is tomorrow night. So uh, she's, she's, a, she's a doctor is what I was told. So uh, got some drama, some comedy, some music, and then some baseball this weekend. Back with you guys tomorrow on Sports Talk Mississippi and on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Don't miss it. For Rhino down there in Studio X, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.